All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we're talking about Calvin Ridley's return and the possible absence of right tackle Caleb McGarry for the Falcons entering week seven. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter at falcfans, writing weekly content over at the falcoholic.com, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons, and of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Falcons is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's the unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. So as we continue today's Lockdown Falcons podcast, we're going to be talking about Calvin Ridley's return from whatever the personal matter he was dealing with last week uh, when the Falcons traveled to London that caused him to miss that game against the Jets and sort of what's at stake for him for the rest of this season, as well as this upcoming week when the Falcons square off against the Miami Dolphins. We'll also talk about Caleb McGarry since we learned on Monday that he is headed to the reserve COVID-19 list. And we wonder which players are going to be tapped to replace him as the starting right tackle. And what are the sort of the expectations we'll have for that impending replacement? And then we'll talk a little bit about the practice squad moves that the Falcons made on Monday and answer a listener question who wants to sort of revisit some of the bad and and good decisions that the previous regime made or did not make when it came to letting certain players walk in free agency. And so you'll get my thoughts on some of the guys over the last couple of years that the Falcons let walk and which ones were the right move, which ones were the wrong move. So. Before we get into all of that here on today's Locked on Falcons podcast, I want to let you guys know that Locked on Falcons is free and available on all podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, and now on YouTube. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Falcons your first listen. And of course, you can show your... Uh, preference for Locked On Falcons by making that first listens by going and subscribing to it on your favorite podcast platform. Of course, subscribing to it on YouTube uh, where you can catch this handsome face giving you these daily Falcon breakdowns and, you know, make sure you hit a comment. Maybe you hit the like button, all those various things on the YouTube platform as we try to grow uh, the video portion of the Lockdown Falcons. But again, thank you to all you uh, loyal audio listeners that still make Lockdown Falcons your first listen of the day. So initially I wanted to talk about the evolution of the Falcons offense and their potential there and, and whether or not they can become more explosive, but we'll have to sort of punt that till tomorrow because I was expecting, Oh, this will be a quiet week for the Falcons coming off of their bye week. They won't necessarily make any major moves or anything like that. Nothing major, you know, Calvin Ridley hopefully will return. But other than that, we won't necessarily have to talk about anything pertaining to this upcoming Dolphins game until Thursday's crossover. But of course, um, with the return of Calvin Ridley and uh, now the news surrounding Caleb McGarry, 
you know, we have some things that we need to discuss that do pertain, per, pertain to the Falcons moving forward. We'll start things off talking about Calvin Ridley, who is returning to practice this week. We know, as I mentioned earlier, that he missed the last game against the Jets in week five due to undisclosed personal matters. Again, we're probably not going to get too much clarity on what the exact nature of those personal matters are dealing with unless we hear from Ridley himself. And who knows when that could be? That could be, you know, later this week. That could be, you know, later this month or next month or whatever the case may be. And he may just simply say no comment when the time comes. But, uh, you know, while I'm not going to necessarily discredit the Falcons for playing well against the Jets. It was the Jets. And so I don't think anybody should get it twisted that this suddenly means, oh, the Falcons were able to play arguably their best uh, offensive game without Ridley. And so that means that this team can function without Ridley. He is important, not only to the rest of the season, but certainly this week, uh, given that Miami was missing their two starting cornerbacks last week against Jacksonville in their London game uh, with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones missing time. I don't know what their statuses are for this upcoming week seven game. That's something we're going to keep an eye on this week and probably get to talk in depth with on Thursday's crossover with Kyle Krabs, the host of the Locked on Dolphins podcast. But let's just say, should those guys miss this upcoming week or should those guys play this upcoming week? What I mean is Calvin Ridley is the only receiver that the Falcons have on their roster that can reasonably be expected to gain separation against cornerbacks of that caliber, given how much man coverage the Dolphins typically like to employ. So Ridley is going to be important for this team this week and this season. He's going to continue to be a part of the focus of the conversation on this particular podcast, given how important it is going to be for the Falcons to start get Calvin Ridley going and start having him live up to the expectations that so many of us, including myself had for him having that sort of big breakout year uh, going into the season. And while this is not necessarily me shifting the blame away from Calvin Ridley, who certainly needs to play better. He needs to avoid the drops. He needs to make better decisions after the catch. I do think the bigger issue involving Calvin Ridley's slow start so far this year has is less a referendum on Calvin Ridley and more a referendum on Arthur Smith. And to me, this was a similar issue that we saw with Calvin Ridley at the start of the 2019 season when Dirk Cutter initially took over the play calling for the Falcons. And I recall an episode, I think it was the after the week four game against the Titans that year. But in the all 22 review, when I watched the film of that particular game, you know, I focused a lot on uh, how Dirk Cutter was misusing Calvin Ridley and why he was not necessarily having the consistent impact week in and week out. Because a big focus of that season was Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones being this dominant one-two punch if the Falcons offense was going to take flight. Just like the focus this year is Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts being this dominant one-two punch if the Falcons offense is supposed to take flight this year. But on that particular episode, going back to that 2019 show, I focused on how Dirk Cutter often was asking Ridley to run more of these vertical clear out routes rather than running a lot of the in-breaking stuff, the slants, the crossers, the double moves that we saw Ridley excel at in the first year under Steve Sarkeesian during his rookie season in 2018. And I think Dirk Cutter eventually started to figure that out. And I think similarly, we're expecting Arthur Smith to start to figure out some of these things with Calvin Ridley. But I think, you know, there are too many digs, there are too many crossers, too many of the drag routes. Now we're looking at too many of these in-breaking routes uh, that we saw uh, now that we're now seeing under Arthur Smith versus what we saw with Dirk Cutter, particularly at the end of the 2020 season, where 
you saw an offense that didn't have a Julio Jones. You saw an offense that didn't have a Kyle Pitts. No offense to Hayden Hurst, but we didn't have a tight end of Kyle Pitts' caliber. You saw an offense that utilized a high degree of play action, which is a staple of the Arthur Smith offense. Again, we're referring to that final month of the season uh, in 2020. And we saw Calvin Ridley go off during that month. Over the last five games, he was averaging seven catches for 115 yards in those five games without Julio Jones in the lineup. And we saw a lot of that stemmed from Dirk Cutter dialing up play action and using Calvin Ridley on a lot of more of those timing based routes, the comebacks, the corners, the deep outs, the things that he's exceptionally good at running because they maximize his route running and separation ability. And I think we need to see more of that than those in breaking routes that seem to be basically the AJ Brown staples that Arthur Smith used in Tennessee. And those work for AJ Brown, but I don't think they work nearly as well for Calvin Ridley. And so I think Obviously, this moving forward is going to be important for Calvin Ridley's future in Atlanta, given that it is in flux 2022. So next year is the final year of his rookie contract. I believe he's set to count somewhere around $11 million against the salary cap entering that season. And I'm sure the Falcons would love to lower that figure. Uh, And the, the best way to do that would be to extend him. But when you're looking at a Calvin Ridley extension next offseason, you're probably talking about a contract that's worth upwards to 18 to 20 million dollars a year based off of his previous year's production and obviously that's going to be a big financial commitment that the Falcons are going to have to make and that's not something that you can make lightly and so you need to have all the information available you want if you're going to make that type of commitment you want Calvin Ridley to have the best possible year um, and so like I said I think this is less about Calvin Ridley and more about Arthur Smith you know if we were to let Calvin Ridley walk because he doesn't necessarily live up to those expectations and we're sort of stuck believing that the only effective number one wide receiver in in an Arthur Smith led offense is an AJ Brown type or a Corey Davis type. To me, that is less of an indictment of Calvin Ridley and more an indictment of Arthur Smith in my humble opinion. So hopefully we can see Ridley start to get things going this week, going up against the Dolphins, a matchup that we saw Calvin Ridley in those joint practices over the summer and in the train in preseason, although we didn't see Ridley in the preseason, but you know, we can imagine what we would have seen with Calvin Ridley in, in those preseason games, but going up against Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, if, if we should get that type of rematch uh, and see what Calvin Ridley can do against some of the premier corners in the NFL, like Jones and Howard have been over these last couple of years. So, you know, I think, Moving forward with Calvin Ridley, he can be successful in this offense. I don't think it requires a massive overhaul or anything like that. It's just a couple of tweaks, a couple of adjustments, and, and that's something within the realm of possibilities because I've watched the film the last couple of weeks. I've seen plays. I've seen routes that are there for Calvin Ridley, and for whatever reason, you know, maybe Matt Ryan doesn't see him. Maybe Matt Ryan looks at another uh, direction. Maybe there's pressure, whatever the case may be. Again, I just think you just need a couple more plays, a couple of those plays that we saw at the end of last season that are going to fully unlock Calvin Ridley's potential in this offense. And we can start to see those 90 plus hundred plus yard performances that were so regular at the end of last year. So be that as it may, that was the good news that the Falcons got on Monday. Now we're going to get into the bad news, discussing the potential absence of Caleb McGarry uh, as this week continues as he goes on the COVID reserve list. But before we get there, guys, I want to again, thank you guys for 
liking and subscribing locked on Falcons. Now that we've started up on YouTube, make sure you leave a comment, make sure you hit that thumbs up, make sure you hit the bell, all the things that all the YouTube uh, personalities are telling you to do on a daily basis. Do that for locked on Falcons. That helps us with the algorithm and gets us in front of more eyeballs. And that allows us to grow our audience. So, Definitely subscribe and like uh, Locked On Falcons as we move things forward. But before we continue today's Locked On Falcons, I want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965 with tasty, affordable food. I know when I'm heading to McDonald's, I'm usually on a mission to get those fries and those McNuggets. But McDonald's is a place where family and friends can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing that they're going to get dependable Wi-Fi and endless surprise, endless supplies of fries and McFlurries. Win or lose is a place where teammates, competitors, and both the home and away team can come to recharge. And when you're on that long road trip and you see those golden arches, you know you can look forward to resting your legs and refueling. McDonald's has always been there for you. It's been there for me many times, especially on podcasts where you need McDonald's to get you through the evening, give you that pick-me-up. You know, you hit the drive through you get that quick, reliable service every time at McDonald's and you can make it home in time to do that podcast or do that interview. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say locked on Falcons watch party? I'm loving it. So Caleb McGarry is going on the COVID reserve list. And I know some of you, you know, as I just referred to it as this is the bad news. I know some of you are snarkily saying, oh, this is the good news. Caleb McGarry out of the lineup. This is only good news. This is only lead to a good outcome for this Falcons offense. But it's going to be an important matchup for the Falcons against this Dolphins team this week, as well as future weeks. We know after this Dolphins game, you have Carolina, you have New Orleans. We know traditionally Brian Burns of Carolina, Cameron Jordan have been the players in addition to Shaq Barrett uh, that have given Caleb McGarry the most problems in his short NFL career. But this week against Miami, you got a tough matchup. Typically, the the pass rusher lined up against the right tackles uh, on Miami is going to be Emmanuel Ogba, who corner of Pro Football Focus, spends about 78% of his pass rushing snaps on the left side of the defense, which means he's going up against the right side of the offense where Caleb McGarry would normally line up. And so that's going to be a difficult matchup, not only for Caleb McGarry if he were healthy, and playing this week, but whoever winds up replacing him. And so, you know, this is going to be uh, a situation where, you know, we wonder if Caleb McGarry is going to be back in time to play on Sunday. Technically, it's possible he could be cleared to play on Sunday because I believe the rules are in order to come off the COVID reserve list. You have to be asymptomatic. You have to test negative for two consecutive uh, COVID tests, 24 hours apart. So I think technically that could mean that Caleb McGarry could come off this reserve list as early as Friday or Saturday. Um, And so it's possible for him to be cleared for Sunday, but it's probably unlikely. So I think for the time being, we're just going to assume that Caleb McGarry is going to miss this upcoming Sunday. And it just, I guess, means whether or not he's going to miss future weeks when we go up against Carolina and New Orleans. And obviously that's an issue that does linger into multiple weeks that could potentially potentially create problems for this Falcons offense, given that you're going to have potentially a replacement level player at that right tackle position going up against some of the premier pass rushers that we have known to see in the NFC South with these upcoming divisional games. But you know who that replacement level player is going to be, uh, you know, depends, right? You know, it could probably be either one of the two top options, which is Jason Spriggs or Jalen Mayfield. Uh, Mayfield was the guy that got the call to fill in for Caleb McGarry during the course of the summer when McGarry 
Gary was dealing with his uh, undisclosed ailment over the summer months and offseason workouts in the first few weeks of training camp. Um, it didn't particularly go well for Jalen Mayfield, who is now starting for the Falcons at left guard and has been there uh, since week one since making the move back from right tackle to left guard once McGarry returning camp and has been starter uh, at that left guard spot uh, since week one. And the reason why Mayfield may kick out to right tackle is because the player that Mayfield wound up replacing as a starting left guard, Josh Andrews, who was dealing with a broken hand that he suffered the week before the season started and missed the first, you know, three or four weeks is now officially back on the Falcons 53 man roster uh, from the injured reserve. He was activated and returned to practice two weeks ago. uh, And now he's officially back ready to play. And, you know, with Mayfield potentially starting at that right tackle position, I'm not particularly optimistic about his potential there. Obviously, I think, you know, we saw him play this preseason and he struggled as a right tackle. And, and part of my pre-draft or post-draft evaluation of Jalen Mayfield was that many of the same issues and limitations that we have watched lead to Caleb McGarry being inconsistent as a starter these last couple of years to me are only magnified with Jalen Mayfield are essentially turned up to 11. And that's why he's not a functional right tackle. And we saw that reflective in his preseason play against some backup caliber players. And now that you're going to put him, you know, against starters uh, in the middle of the regular season is probably not a recipe for success. Uh, So I don't think that's going to be the Falcons plan a when it comes to this. I think more than likely their plan a is going to be sticking with Jalen Mayfield at that left guard position and somewhat much to my chagrin. You know, I think the Falcons are going to be all in on Jalen Mayfield playing that left guard position uh, for the time being, although I still hope and, and root for Kobe Gossett Hive uh, here on the Lockdown Falcons podcast, who that is our sort of official uh, sponsor of Kobe Gossett Hive here on the Lockdown Falcons. But, you know, I think what is more likely to be their plan A is to plug in Jason Spriggs at the right tackle position. Spriggs was essentially the player that the Falcons signed before training camp to replace Matt Gano, who's dealing with his injury uh, and is currently on the, the P. UP or the pup list dealing with what we believe is a neck injury. Um, Gano obviously was the team's swing tackle for the last couple of seasons and is, you know, out for a while. Technically this week, I believe is the week where players on the pup list can start their sort of multi-week window to return to practice and eventually to the roster. Although we've got no indications that Matt Gano is going to come back anytime soon. So hopefully we'll get an update at some point in the next, I don't know, five or six weeks uh, until we find that out. But, you know, at at some point, you know, I'm not necessarily expecting Matt Gano to play this year. Uh, And so until we get news that he is going to play, is going to come back, I'm just going to assume that he's going to be out for at least an extended period of time. But Spriggs is, you know, this is the situation why you signed Jason Spriggs to begin with. And he has spent the majority of his NFL playing career filling in as an injury replacement at the right tackle position. So this is basically the situation that Spriggs has find himself consistently, whether it was in Chicago last year or Green Bay in previous stints. Um, this is what you signed up uh, Jason Spriggs to be. Now, the knock on Jason Spriggs, while he is athletic, that's the pro of Jason Spriggs. The con on him is that he tends to be a little bit light in the pants, so to speak. And that tends to spell trouble for him when he's going up against more powerful rushers. And I do know that the bull rush is a big part of Emmanuel Agba's repertoire. So that could be a problem for him coming up this week. And certainly Cameron Jordan is a guy that we know has made 
ample use of his power over the years to uh, wreak havoc on Matt Ryan and, and Falcons offensive linemen over the years. So that may be a, an issue later, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But, you know, the thing with Jason Spriggs, the thing I liked about Jason Spriggs in the preseason action is I thought he did a really good job run blocking. And one of the things that we discussed on yesterday's episode, when we reviewed the roster with Kayla McGarry and his blocking, his run blocking has been up and down this year, very hit and miss. And so maybe it's possible that uh, Jason Spriggs insertion into the lineup could lead to improvement there in terms of getting a little bit of a boost to the Falcons running game. So this is not necessarily something that I'm going to panic over because as I've said many times with Kayla McGarry, I think, you know, as a play caller, you can make adjustments here and you can chip and you can give that right tackle help as much help as he potentially needs. Although the issue is you can't always help him on every single snap because, you know, there's going to be third downs, third and mediums, third and longs with a deep defenses are pinning their ears back and, and that guy's going to be left by and large on an Island because you're going to need as many receivers as possible going out into the route to catch the ball. So you can move the chains and the vast majority of pressures and sacks tend to come on those third down situations like that. And so you're going to have to have guys that can hold up on their own. And that's something where guys can get exposed. And, and we've seen not only um, Kayla McGarry get exposed in that situation, but you wonder about players like Mayfield and, and, and Spriggs as well moving forward. So this is going to be a concern, but I don't think we should hit the panic button too early at this point in time and something that we should certainly keep an eye on. But I'm cautiously optimistic that this uh, move won't completely derail the progress that we have seen from this Falcons offensive line over the last month of the season. It's not going to be completely thrown out the window. So I'm hopeful for that, but we'll just sort of have to see how it all plays out on Sunday. Uh, should Kayla McGarry be out of the lineup and who knows Jason Spriggs winds up playing well, then you'll probably have a whole bunch of people saying, Hey, maybe Caleb McGarry should lose his job outright because I know Caleb McGarry, you know, when you look at some of the players, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, we talked about one earlier, Calvin Ridley, probably Mike Davis is high on that list. Of course, Matt Ryan is on that list because he's the quarterback. But when you talk about players that have tend to have low approval ratings amongst the fan base, at least the, the fans that I see talking about this team and their offense, or at least have, polarizing approval ratings amongst many fans. You know, McGarry's on that list of players. He's near the top of that list in terms, or I guess the bottom of that list when you're talking about lowest approval ratings. And so it wouldn't shock me if all of a sudden, if Jason Spriggs winds up playing well on Sunday and hopefully he does, like no one's going to be rooting against Jason. I hope no one's going to be rooting against Jason Spriggs, but you know, if he plays well, then I think you're going to start hearing people like, hey, is Jason Spriggs a, uh, a potential replacement for Caleb McGarry? Because I know a lot of people are looking to move on from Caleb McGarry. But we'll just sort of see how it goes. And we'll wrap up today's Locked on Falcons by answering a listener question about some past roster moves made by the previous regime and which one was sort of the best or worst move. And we'll break down a little bit of the practice squad shuffling that we saw on Monday. But speaking of approval ratings, nobody's higher in the city of Atlanta than those pesky Atlanta Braves who are up to nothing in the NLCS over the LA Dodgers. And you can learn the latest involving my cousin, Freddie and the boys on the locked on Braves podcast free and available on all podcast platforms. 
So in life, we are bound for many different things with a beachbound.com vacation. You can be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery or bound for togetherness, bound for immersion or bound for rejuvenation, or you may be bound for encountering the unexpected. Personally, when I'm at a beach resort, I'm going to wine and dine myself, whether that be poolside or on the sands, listening to the crash of the waves. As long as I have a good view and a good drink in my hand, I'll be as happy as a clam with a beachbound.com. You can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you're looking for. What are you bound for? Just visit beachbound.com today. Today's episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer when you already have a computer with access to rockauto.com? at home or in your pocket, save time and money. When using rock auto, you'll spend up to twice as much for the same parts. When you order from a chain store or car dealership, meanwhile, rock auto's prices are always reliably low for every customer. Rock auto is a family business serving do it yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy to use website yourself today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So let's talk about the other roster-related moves that we saw on Monday. The Falcons worked out a safety in Luther Kirk, formerly of Illinois State. I think he was an undrafted free agent with Minnesota. Quick Googling, I, I saw somewhere where I think he was the Shrine Bowl, uh, the 2019 Shrine Bowl game MVP, defensive MVP in that game. And now we've seen a couple of weeks now in a row where the Falcons have worked out a safety. Uh, you know, most of those guys tended to be box guys, whether we go back to Sean Williams, who they signed to the practice squad a couple of weeks ago, Will Parks, who they worked out last week. Uh, you know, based off of what I have read about Luther Kirk, he seems to be more of that sort of coverage, deep center fielder type of player. So that's an interesting change from what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Moving on to the official move that the Falcons made, they signed Darren Bates, the linebacker and special teamers to their practice squad to make room for him. They cut defensive tackle Chris Slayton. Darren Bates is a player that is familiar to this coaching staff. He played in Tennessee the last couple of years with Arthur Smith and under Dean Pease. He also played for linebacker coach Frank Bush when he was an assistant with the Rams several years ago. So that's where we'll leave the roster news and we'll move on to, uh, you know, a listener email. And this one comes from Jim C. He asks over the past few years, the Falcons have had a number of key players walk. Some of it controversial, some of it fate accompli due to money or a lack of on-field production names such as Desmond Trufant, Brian Poole, Ricardo Allen, DeMonte Casey, Keanu Neal, Vic Beasley, Tack McKinley, Austin Hooper, Devondre Campbell, and Julio Jones come to mind. Which was the best decision to part from one of these players? Which was the worst decision that the Falcons now regret? So, you know, I'm not sure any of these were like great decisions by any means to let these guys walk. Um, because, you know, I don't think any of these players were guys that you were clamoring for the team to get get rid of. Although I'm sure some of you are like, what about Vic Beasley? Um, but, you know, the Falcons got rid of Vic Beasley a year too late. Uh, so it's hard to really say that was a great decision when you're, you know, you were actually regretting uh, waiting that year to move on from Vic Beasley. Uh, so looking at the list of names that you provided, Devondre Campbell's probably the 
the one guy that jumps out that I felt like was probably going to be missed the least amount. You know, he's apparently playing very well for Green Bay this year after a fairly middling year in Arizona in 2020. So that's good for him. But he was a player that I think, you know, had kind of worn out his welcome here in Atlanta and it was time to move on from him. As far as a worst decision, you know, I think you can make a, a case for pretty much everybody that you suggested that parting ways with them was at least somewhat defensible, whether that was due to age, whether that was due to declining play or, or money or something else. But to me, the name that pops out that is at least the least defensible was the decision to get rid of Brian Poole. And I, I know that's surprising to some of you. I know to others that are regular listeners of the podcast, you probably knew that this name was going to come up. And it, you know, it really wasn't money that led to the Falcons parting ways with Brian Poole because essentially they could have kept Poole in 2019 as a restricted free agent for like $2 million. Um, it wasn't really declining play, although, you know, I think a lot of people that at least the perception of Brian Poole in that 2018 season, his final year in Atlanta was that he played very poorly. And I think a lot of that is related to that early season low light of him getting juked by Drew Brees and people just basically wrote him off. But what people forget, or at least what I observed in the second half of that 2018 season was that Brian Poole was playing some of the best football that we had seen him play since he joined Atlanta in 2016. And I know we all sort of looked at Brian Poole's rookie season and say, oh man, Brian Poole was so good his rookie season. But then in 2017 and then going in 2018, we spent a lot of time and energy wondering every offseason, is this going to be the offseason where we're going to try to upgrade Brian Poole? Because while Brian Poole was an effective nickel corner for the Falcons, he wasn't necessarily the sort of elite lockdown man cover guy that you would imagine the Falcons wanted to have at that spot, given how much they were reliant on their ability to man up teams and have their success defensively that year. And so a big part of the reason why the Falcons got rid of Brian Poole in 2019 before the start of that season was because they thought they had found that guy in DeMonte Casey, and they essentially wanted to clear the runway for Casey to come in and, and win that starting nickel job and didn't want to have him compete with Brian Poole. And like, I thought that DeMonte Casey did have the potential to be that upgrade that we were looking for over Brian Poole, but it just, to me, it never really made any sense for the Falcons to just dump Brian Poole outright, that you should have had those guys compete for the job. And whether it was Casey or Poole winning the job, then the other one, whoever lost that job could wind up settling into a role as sort of a backup, a good backup and a sort of dime safety that I think both of those players fit really well in. And part of my disappointment with the end of the Brian Poole era because my initial expectations when we signed Brian Poole as an undrafted free agent out of Florida back in 2016 was that he was going to be groomed potentially as a long-term replacement for Ricardo Allen at the free safety position. But thanks to Jalen Collins being a knucklehead that offseason and getting suspended, the Falcons needed Poole to step up as that nickel cornerback right away. And he obviously did an admirable job that year and, and over the next couple of years. But eventually... I always wanted him to kind of return. Okay, let's get him back to being potentially the heir apparent behind Ricardo Allen. And my hope was that with DeMonte Casey coming off the 2018 season he had and potentially moving to the nickel cornerbacks, you were essentially going to be switching Brian Poole and making him Ricardo Allen's backup and eventually groom him for what I thought, you know, Brian Poole was a better fit as a safety than DeMonte Casey. I know, I know that's a hot take to a lot of pe people, 
you know, my hot take was always my unpopular opinion was always that DeMonte Casey was a better cornerback than he was a free safety, despite, you know, all the interceptions that he had over the years. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, but, you know, that was my disappointment with the whole Brian Poole uh, situation going the way that it did. Um, and I felt like, you know, we saw Brian Poole, his rookie summer, um, get some snaps as a single high free safety in the Falcon scheme. And I just always thought that that was something that the Falcon or should have been part of the plan to return him to that role and really sort of develop him in that role. And of course, we didn't see that happen. He was allowed to walk. He went to the Jets, um, went on, you know, have some pretty productive years for the Jets in 2019 and 2020. He was just most recently cut by the New Orleans Saints. You know, we talked about Frank Bush, you know, when it comes to Darren Burst, Darren, Darren Bates earlier on today's episode, but Frank Bush was the assistant coach for the Jets the last two years. So he had firsthand account watching Brian Poole have some success these last couple of years. Um, and we know that the Falcons are missing a starting nickel cornerback with Isaiah Oliver out for the season. And obviously they're trying to see what they have in three rookies in Richie Grant, Avery Williams, and, and Darren Hall for the remainder of the year. But, you know, I wouldn't be against the team re- reuniting with Brian And, you know, as I mentioned on yesterday's roster review podcast, you know, the Falcons do really need to figure out what they have in these three rookies moving forward and whether one of these guys can emerge as a long-term nickel cornerback for this team. But I don't think it would hurt to have Brian Poole as a potential insurance policy, whether you carry him on the practice squad or on the actual roster moving forward. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, um, you know, I'm. Long-time listeners know that I can tend to hold a grudge over roster moves that never happened, you know, from a decade ago. You can still find me complaining about Harvey Dahl versus Justin Blaylock uh, from 2011 offseason. Did a lockout year uh, at various points on the podcast or on Twitter or whatever the case may be. So this is something that I will not forget. I would still be reminiscing about this in 2032 or whatever the case may be. But I do try, despite holding that grudge and holding that bitterness deep inside my heart, I try not to sort of let it consume me. And so I will just sort of scoff. Uh, they, they shouldn't have never gotten rid of Brian Poole out of all their moves. But, you know, again, the other names you mentioned, obviously I'm still bitter about Julio Jones, but at least that was somewhat, you know, defensible because he didn't want to play for the Falcons anymore. Uh, and he was getting paid a lot of money and he was, you know, on the decline, although not to the degree that people made uh, out to be this past June. But that's a conversation for another day. So, you know, There you guys have it. And if you want to have your question answered on future episodes of the Lockdown Falcons podcast, you can send those in via Twitter or Facebook to Lockdown Falcons. You can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. And that's where we'll do it for today's Lockdown Falcons podcast. Hopefully tomorrow we don't have any sort of big news. And so I can finally get into that passing game evolution stuff that I want to talk about. I've been wanting to talk about since Sunday, uh, but you know, maybe we wind up punting that uh, till Friday and you guys can submit your questions and we can do our usual Q and a thing on Wednesday. If there's other topics that we need to discuss, because again, I'm going to need like a full 35 minutes as usual to, to unpack that whole situation. That's not something that I want to do piecemeal on the podcast. So We'll see how, you know, the next 24 hours goes in terms of, you know, Falcons content here on Lockdown Falcons. But I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen of the day. But I have another recommendation for your second listen. And that is, of course, the Peacock and Williamson podcast where you can get insight into all 32 NFL teams from NFL analyst Brian Peacock, as well as former NFL scout Matt Williamson. 
Of course, check out Peacock and Williamson free and available on all podcast platforms, whether we're talking about Apple, Odyssey, Google, or Spotify. So guys, there you have it. We got more content to come here on Lockdown Falcons. At some point, we're going to be talking about the offense and the need to be more explosive and all these various things and why that's important for the team. Possibly tomorrow, we have some potential for some Q&As. And of course, we've got a crossover Thursday coming up uh, in the next couple of days as we gear up for these matchups involving Calvin Ridley and possibly not involving Kayla McGarry against the Miami Dolphins. So there you guys have it. Appreciate it. Until then.